We're just excited to be this glow in our community right now, and we believe we're becoming the destination that employees want to come to, not because it's a glamorous job, this is dirty, hard work, but because they're loved when they get here. Our first-person guest now is Christian businessman James Reuter, who will not only tell us his own story of coming to faith in Christ, but will tell us how he has learned the value of applying kingdom principles to his thriving business. Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before we hear from our guest, let me thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for the support which makes First Person possible. FEBC is dedicated to proclaiming the news of Jesus Christ to the world through radio and digital media, and you can help with your support. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Also at the website, you can learn more about our guests, including a schedule of upcoming interviews, all at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, our guest, James Reuter, runs a Denver company called L&R Pallet, a business which was begun by his father and now is led by James, who sees amazing things happen as he honors the Lord with his company. His story has been spotlighted nationally by the media, including Forbes magazine, but much of the attention has missed an important part of his story, his Christian faith. And that's where we begin. Well, I um, was raised in a Christian home. My family... We're churchgoers, and my my grandfather was kind of the patriarch, I think, of the the family and the faith base, and and my grandmother too. She was an amazing prayer warrior, and and that led my mom into a tremendous relationship with with Christ. So she brought into our home and and shared it with my father, brought him to salvation um, early on in their relationship. We were we were churchgoers, and I received Christ at, the, at an early age of five. When uh, your father started the company, right, that you now own? Correct. Yes, he started it in 1974. He he ran it for a solid 20 years. I didn't want anything to do with it. It was the only place I had ever worked since I was a young child. Uh, you know, it was my summer job, my, my Christmas break job, and and my dad made sure that at five o'clock I was in the car seat with him headed to the office and, <laughs> you know, and, and slinging a hammer at 6 a.m. and so I pursued anything but that. I tried to get away from it. I, um, I have a biology degree I, with a neurobiology minor. I was interested in pursuing a profession in the medical field. And one day just kind of woke up and thought, you know, I've got an opportunity here. Dad's got a, a nice business that uh, he didn't think either one of his sons really wanted to be involved with. And I, and I chose to, to get involved and I started growing it in the 90s and have uh, been running it ever since. The company is L&R Pallet. Now, I think most people know what a pallet is, but let's describe the product that you guys create. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those, well, thanks to Pinterest, a lot of people know what wooden pallets are now. <laughs> yeah, right. They become chic, haven't they? Upcycle <laughs> products from it. Right. Yeah. But we've been doing it way before it was, uh, you know, it was trendy. We, we, um, we service all kinds of distribution and manufacturing, and there's just about nothing in the market that doesn't get shipped on a pallet at some point. Um, doesn't matter if it's a product that we eat, a product that we wear, a cup that we're holding, uh, clothing. I mean, just you name it. And we um, service the Denver region primarily, and we ship about 500 miles of radius around Denver um, until we hit up against other metropolises. But it's just uh, it's one of those behind-the-scenes pieces of the transportation package that helps products get from wherever they're made to the shelf where the consumer buys it and 
and we're a part of that um, supply chain. Right. Anybody who's been to Costco knows what a pallet is, I think. And uh, and, ju- and just for Correct. reference, I mean, yours is a multimillion-dollar company, so this is no small business. And, and you came into the business. How old were you when you came into it, James? Well, honestly, it's the only place I've ever worked. Um, you know, I started at about 12 years old. But officially, you know, I got out of college in 91, um, tried a few things for a year or two uh, with my with my degree and, and thought I'd go a couple of different directions. But you know, I, I've always used 1994 as my official, I'm on board and I'm going to help grow this business. But it's it's been a lifetime deal for me. Hmm. But there was a crisis moment in your company. Can you talk about those days? Well, we've had a few different ups and downs. Obviously, economy turns and twists and and unfortunately, one that hit us the hardest was the crunch of 2008, where we, we started to see a decline in spending and consumer goods. And um, the, the upside of that is that we do deal with a lot of food, and it doesn't matter. Even in, in a down, downturn economy, people continue to eat. And so flour and sugar and beef, and there's a lot of different things that continue to move. So our business our business had a good foundation on it, but we, we dropped sales considerably, but we started to get used to seeing some poor, poor financials that, you know, we just, we had some really tough years. We're breaking even and even losing money month to month wasn't uncommon. Just trying to get by, figuring out how to cut, cut back and until the economy started to spur again. But at the same time, I had a couple managers that unfortunately, one had been with me 20 years, one had been with me for 10 years and they started to, um, they got, they, 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 started to steal from me mm. by working with a couple of vendors and and double buying inventories that I wasn't receiving. Oh. So unfortunately, I think it started small, but uh, one of them developed a drug habit, and I think that fed his hunger for greed. And in a very short amount of time, we lost over half a million dollars in, in unreceived goods. And it just about crippled our business and, and brought us to our knees. There were several things happening at once. We had a, a controller that had gotten extremely ill and had fallen almost three months behind in our bookkeeping. Mm. So even though I could tell cash wasn't there, I couldn't actually see what was happening in black and white. And so it was really the perfect storm that we we discovered in March of, uh, or I'm sorry, April of 2010. And it, it was just this this point where, you know, I, I had to clean house and, and found myself really without a management team and, and no trust in my heart for others. And, and it probably was a pretty, pretty bleak time. But at the same time, I was also relieved that I'd figured out what was wrong with the business. It wasn't dying anymore, but it was very unhealthy and very, uh, very weak. And we had to, we started a, a, a time of rebuilding. It was Certainly one of the toughest things I've ever been through. And what was going on spiritually in your heart and mind during that time? Well, spiritually, I started to reevaluate the kind of people I wanted to have around me. You know, what it, I, I, I'd love to say that I had this, this moment where I, it was, there was clarity of what I was looking for, but I was, I was certainly just dealing with trust issues and people that I had trusted the most, my closest inner circle, the people that when I was going through the struggles and I would share my concerns with them and the things I thought were wrong, they always knew what I was looking at and what I was watching for. And so it, it helped feed their ability to steal from me for a while. And it was very hard to overcome that both emotionally and spiritually. And I, 
I was just reluctant to allow anybody to come back into my, my, my inner circle. But you know, after about six months to 12 months, I realized I can't do this by myself. I have my fingers in the dike and all the cracks and, and, the, and the dam was getting ready to let go. And, and so I really, I broke down and, and I, you know, I just asked the Lord, it's like, just, just help me do this differently, Lord. I, I don't want to do what I've done. I mean, I, I've been doing it for, you know, nearly 15 years or 16 years, basically under my guard. Um, and I just, I, I didn't want to do it the same way moving forward. And, and the Lord hooked or connected me with a, with a, a gentleman, um, that had been in the pallet industry back East. And, and I really believe God brought us together and worked out a deal. I moved him here to come alongside me and then help me run the company. And it started this, this effect of where I just, I wanted, I wanted Christ in my business. I was so hungry for it. And, and I started searching for things as far as how to do this. And, and I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to look for, but I'd spent years being very involved with trade associations and all different kinds of board of directors. And if you name, you, you name it, I could be on it. And, and what I found is like so many of those things weren't life giving. They weren't, they weren't giving anything back from the time we put into it. They stole away from me. They stole away from my family. And so I started looking for like, what could I be involved? What could I commit my time to that is life giving? And I, and I started to search for um, Christian leadership organizations and, and found myself in a C12 group not long after where I was just, you know, sitting around once a month with Christian minded CEOs of all different types of background, but all pursuing the same, same destiny. And I just, I just started going through this process of how do I incorporate God into my business? What does that look like? And I started hearing these new concepts but to be honest with you, I, I went to a I went to a Christian leadership conference here in Denver. It was the first one that had ever been held um, by the Colorado Christian Business Alliance. And Paul Cooney, who is a author, he, he had been a home builder in this past, but he he spoke on kingdom economics. And and here I am, you know, I've been for forty years, forty two years, I've been in church, and I've sat in church and, and heard about being, a, you know, God-fearing, God-loving, and I'd never understood that what what kingdom economics were and that this business didn't even belong to me and that I was a steward of the business. And not not only that there's responsibilities with that, but there's freedom with that, that I didn't have to wake up every day and that I had to crack that nut, that I had to make it happen. If it was God's business, it was God's responsibility to bring the business and to take the business away. And for me, just to go out there and to, to give my best efforts and to, to be a steward of that resource that he had provided me with and the flock that he had put there for me to shepherd. And it was the first time I'd ever heard any of this in my entire life. It was the first time that I had heard there's a difference between being a Christian man running a business and being a Christian man in a kingdom business running the kingdom business. And, and, and that the formulas don't work necessarily like the world would say they are, but sometimes, you know, they're supernatural when the kingdom is involved. It was a revelation to me that running a kingdom business that operated by kingdom economics allowed things to actually happen supernaturally. Two and two didn't equal four like the world would tell you it would. Two and 
two could equal ten. I mean, when God's hand was in something, it was supernatural, and things could happen when everybody said it couldn't. And that was so exciting to me, and it took so much pressure off of me to start following that mindset by running this business. And it has yielded tremendous results in his business. We'll talk about that more with James Reuter coming up on First Person. This program is supported each week by the Far East Broadcasting Company. And I'm Ed Cannon, the president of FEBC. These first-person stories of God at work in people's lives always encourage me. And at FEBC, we want to encourage you even more with God's Word. Take a moment to sign up for our daily online 30-day devotional featuring stories and scripture. You can sign up easily at firstpersoninterview.com. Go there today, firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is businessman James Reuter from Denver, Colorado of L&R Palette. And, well, you've received some national notoriety uh, for your business, and we'll talk more about that in, in magazines like Forbes magazine. I mean, that's uh, a lot of attention has been paid there. But in an email to me, you said that as good as those articles are, they don't really get at the heart of who you are and what your passion is as a businessman. And you've touched on that already, but let me ask you about that. What, 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 uh, what message do you have for other people in business? Well, it's, it, it's humbling to get this kind of attention, but it also allows me to look at my father in heaven and just be amazed that he, he's taken something that seems simple and, and given me a platform to speak from. And, and what I'm really trying to do is, is just, you know, I want to make him proud at the end of the day, more than anything. And, you know, the message that I'm trying to get out is really simply loving people. And I think that's what's most amazing to me is that there has been so much interest in this, that um, something so simple about just being loved to others and and making them a part of what you're doing and, and, and pulling them in by just simple gestures has made national news. That just that, that does surprise me, to be honest with you. And, well, and what have, what have you done? What have you done that's garnered such attention and and really is a, is a reflection of your spiritual values? Well, you know that God God gave me through this rebuilding of the business. That gave me a, a changed my my stony heart. Um, there's a there's a verse in Ezekiel that talks about that. But just you know, He changed my heart. To where I started, I, I describe it as I don't look at people the way I used to. I actually see people. And it started in the missions field on some trips I took to Peru. But then it started inside my own business where I thought the Lord, you know, wanted me to go far away and do something. I realized I had this mission missions field right in my backyard. And it, and it was those employees that were outside my office door. And, and we started hiring refugees uh, uh, for a viable workforce. Um, for our business, and my heart was just completely open to that, and and I started seeing these faces and these hearts of of people that that needed um, a place to belong, somebody to come alongside them. But then God took that further, and and I started to realize that it's not just you know the refugee of another country; it's the refugee of bad situations, of bad marriages, of bad addictions, people that are just that need help and. And the concept really is that we allow people now to bring their, their dirty laundry, their baggage, to work, which isn't a traditionally acceptable thing. Most people are taught to leave their baggage at home, take care of their problems outside of work, don't let it, don't let it affect their job. And, 
And that's just not realistic. And so we've created a culture and environment over time, over the last three or four years, that now allows people to do that and allows us to be available and creates the freedom for my staff to assist in that. Hmm. Give me an example. Can you help me understand completely what, what you do that makes a difference? We started by just allowing one of my employees to have some bandwidth to be there for all of the non-work-related issues. And it started with the refugees, uh, um, people coming in that might not necessarily know how to get their driver's license, or they don't understand how a lease is written that their landlord's given them. They get a letter from the IRS, and they're confused about it. And, you know, we started seeing these needs, and it takes time to work through some of those systems with them, trying to get them to understand health insurance and how to get signed up for it and how to use it. And I gave one of my employees about 20 hours a week, gave him a title of a uh, you know, internal ministry specialist, but really we started looking at this as a ministry opportunity. And, and then we started to identify with our employees, what, what, what do you need? We started to listen to what I could kind of come up with on my own, what I think they need, but we just started realizing they need help with clothing. They need help with, um, some of them have bed bugs in their apartments. You know, they come and they live in these low income areas and we started spraying their homes in the afternoons and, and, and trying to meet them in their place of need, time of need, um, and brought chaplains into our workforce to 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 be there for the you know spiritual side of things, um, support if they weren't part part a part of a church. And I mean, there, there's a long list of things that we started to do, and, and now it's evolved into bringing in lenders and helping them understand financing. And and we're going to have four employees close on homes in the next three months. Which I'm super excited about it. Wow. Helping hey, them walk, walk. Yeah. Helping them walk through that process. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I mean, you name it. It, it's so exciting for me to hear this approach from a business person, but let me play the part of the cynic for a moment. You're still a businessman and you still have a bottom line. You still need to make a profit. How is all of this helping you make a profit? Well, you know, we, we've, we've drastically reduced turnover and, you know, there is a cost associated with turnover that is, I don't know exactly what the number is. I know there's people that study that professionally, but it's huge. And when you, when you, when you stop having to constantly hire and constantly train, those dollars show up. And, and we've, we've seen that, we've, which that's in, in my environment, a manufacturing environment, that's allowed us to have a better product. That's allowed us to service our customer better. That has allowed us to train deeper. It's allowed us to drastically reduce injuries, which are, you know, extremely costly. And you start, there, there start to be all these other areas that you, you pick up dollars from. And all of a sudden you have this bandwidth in your, in your, you know, payroll that, that is a financial gain for you. And we're now hiring a full-time ministry director. She's going to come on board in August and and all, her full-time job will kind of be like a community navigator and hooking people up with existing programs and helping them get into education programs or even start micro-businesses of their own. I mean, we, we're, we're excited even this becoming a launching pad for, the, for, for others. And, and so it's, it's I don't know, it, it, it's growing and it gives me so much more purpose every day than just getting up and making another sale What's what's interesting is those sales are easier now. You know, we're able to perform, and I have a lot of competitors that are not, and, and we're able to stand there with a customer 
but and and tell them what we can do and be the best at it because we are fully staffed. And there's a lot of businesses that simply are not staffed right now. And the answer isn't refugees. That's definitely a message that some of the articles have gotten wrong. That's what God has brought to me. But it could be different for every employer mm-hmm. and every person. We all have a different circle of influence. Mine happens to be the refugees. But the refugees are a lot of work themselves. And it's just given us tremendous purpose. But it's allowed us to love everybody of all colors, all races, all backgrounds. We just realized that everybody, including you and me on this phone call, are broken goods and we've got baggage. Yep. And it's just nice to have somebody hold our hand and go through it with us once in a while. Yeah. I tell you, James, it is so exciting for me to hear you express it that way. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of people in business and just working jobs across the country who are going to really resonate with this message. And I, I appreciate you taking time to tell us about it. But the bottom line for us is that it, it's, and you credit Jesus with opening your eyes to all of this, right? I mean, that's, that's where it started for you. Absolutely. I mean, I, I clearly had a God moment when a little girl touched my arm on a on a trip down to Peru in 2013. And, and, and it foolishly, as a man, I thought, God needs me to do something. He needs me to, he's calling me to action. It must be to either adopt these girls or get involved with this ministry. But obviously, he wants me to do something. Looking back now, I know it was clearly, he just wanted my attention. He wanted me to be available. He wanted me to prepare me for something greater. And it didn't end up to all be in Peru. It ended up being right here in my own backyard. But people come to me and they see what's happening in our business. And they see the excitement that we've got with the employees. And they they want that silver bullet. They want me to tell them how to do that. And it does create these opportunities to talk with our customers, to talk with our vendors, to talk to other business people. But at some point, it comes down to what's the fuel that you put in the nuclear reactor to get that energy out of it? <laughs> and without Jesus being the fuel, I don't know how the reactor works. And, and it really creates some cool conversations with people. And that's become how what I, what I realized my opportunity is to witness and to talk to people. At first, we're just the aroma of Christ. We just love on people. We let them know that something's different here. But I, I have found out over time that at some point, everybody asks us the question, what is it? What makes you like that? Why do you want to do this? And then we get to talk to them about Jesus. And that's that's when we get to be a light in the community. And, and, and we're just excited to be this glow in our community right now. And we've, we, we believe we're becoming a destination that employees want to come to, not because it's a glamorous job. This is dirty, hard work, but because they're loved when they get here. So hopefully, and only the Lord could do that to me. Indeed, only the Lord. Our guest has been Denver businessman James Reuter of Eleanor Pallet, who has learned how to live out his life as a Christ follower and apply those values to his company. We'll place a link to his business at firstpersoninterview.com. Thanks for listening to this week's program. We enjoy bringing you these conversations and trust that you are encouraged and strengthened in your faith because of them. Before we leave, I'd like to ask you to visit our webpage and sign up to receive a powerful online devotional from the Far East Broadcasting Company. Each day via email, you'll receive another story of a life changed spiritually through the broadcast of FEBC. Each story combined with scripture to give you a powerful thought from God's word. Sign up at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us next week 
for first person. 